We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? What a gift the basketball gods have given us. The Lakers are in the final eight, and with the second round matchup against the Golden State Warriors, we got Lakers versus Warriors, LeBron versus Steph, uh, all sorts of great storylines, a couple of teams that haven't played in the playoffs since 1991, not counting the play-in game a couple of years ago. There's going to be a civil war in the Soriano household over the next couple of weeks, and I cannot wait. Uh, welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Dee, let's start with you. You live in the Bay. Your wife's a huge Golden State Warriors fan. You got the kids at a an impressionable age. This is a, a, sure. a key series, my man, for their allegiances over time. So to, how you feeling, Lakers, Golden State Warriors? <laughs> so I was texting you guys yesterday that uh, it's going to be a war zone in my house and um that's exaggerating a bit like i have a way of navigating this in very particular ways but i have not had to deal with these sorts of stakes anywhere close to it the last time was like the playing game but uh that was a different time in everyone's lives where uh where it's just like oh it's one game whoever loses they get another chance and it'll be against a whole other team right. and, and that's a different deal I was laughing with my wife, though, because she was saying, like, one of us may not be able to be at the house. She is a rambunctious fan. Mm -hmm. She is a yeller. She is someone that gets very excited about the ups and downs. She is a basketball fan. And our kids are like that, too, now. I laugh at my kids because all they've really seen is, like, their dad's team and their mom's team win. Basically, it's just like mm -hmm. the Warriors have won all of these championships recently during their lifetime. Like the Lakers won a title a couple of seasons ago. Their favorite teams now have like the biggest stars in the game or close to it. Right. And it's just like they live that charmed life, Mike. Yeah, it, it's sort of like not growing up in Minnesota. As a, as a basketball. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I was going to ask you. It's like, uh, yeah, no, no right, Minnesota so analog sports wise to that, I don't think. Well, the twins so when I'll I was growing laugh. up, the twins when I was growing yeah, yeah, up, eighty-seven and ninety-one, and the, yeah. but like, yeah, from a basketball standpoint, yeah, the complete opposite. So it is going to be a stressful time. It's going to be a stressful time in my life over the next couple of weeks. 
even for me, it's just like I used to tell my wife that I root for the Warriors 78 times a year. Mm -hmm. I've always enjoyed watching the Warriors play. They have great fans going all the way back to the days where they were really bad. Right. And so I could rattle off some of these rosters, just like a lot of these Warriors fans out here, Mike, just because I've watched them up close and personal for close to 20 years. Like there's probably no team that I know better outside of the Lakers than I know the Warriors. And so I'm super interested to dive into this matchup. It's funny because I'm right there with you, with the Warriors in a lot of ways. I tweeted this yesterday, but the Lakers and Warriors haven't played in the playoffs since 1991. And, you know, they had played a decent amount of times up until that point, seven times. In fact, the Lakers were six and one. The one Warriors win was in 1967, but they have not since then both been good. It's usually been the Lakers that have been good. And then once the Warriors got good, well, there, you know, there were those, those Warriors teams were kind of fun in the nineties, right? Right after uh, magic yeah. um, and, you know, run TMC and all that. But you know, then you had the Lakers dominant run, of course, with Shaq and Kobe. Then you had the Lakers back to back. And just when Kobe was starting to like got hurt and fell off, that was when the Warriors had their rise. And for me, going up to the Bay, and at the time, of course, it was still Oakland. There, I don't know. I just didn't feel the same way as coming in with on the Lakers bus as I did when I would go into Phoenix or Portland or Utah. And there's just all of this enmity and all of this hate. Um, everywhere. It's, it was a little bit more like, oh, Lakers are here and there's a lot of Laker fans there. But the Warriors fans mm -hmm. were sort of sort of like not specifically as mad um, at those Laker teams. And it just wasn't as it was more of just like a fun basketball atmosphere. And and of course, Michael Thompson has been with the Lakers since I joined and I started doing the radio show with him. And then his son is on the team. And so I'm basically rooting as we all are on the bus, like for Clay um, and watching Michael mm -hmm. watch all the games on his iPad you know, and I'm I'm the only, only other one on the bus, typically like also watching the game uh, and, all, and always watching the Warriors. And that was a constant topic for us on the radio show, especially when the Lakers were just basically waiting for lottery balls and the Warriors were going to the finals every year. So I've I love the way that they play. Um, I really enjoy Steve Kerr. I've always loved watching Steph. And and yet here we are, Pete, now just kind of fast forward a little bit and both teams it didn't look like we're going to be good at the start of this season unless the Lakers made a big trade. And sure enough, they did. They make a couple of moves. They skyrocket. In fact, beating the Warriors three times is one of the reasons why the Lakers even made it to the play-in mm -hmm. territory. Those games were all a little different, though, because LeBron didn't play in the third one. Steph didn't play in the first two. I, it, like, there's just there's the, the first-round series to break down between each respective team. There's the matchups, which I know um, Darius has been frothing at the mouth to try and think about who's going to guard whom. And there's just a lot uh, into this. But I just wanted to introduce the background of it, of this is a point that we just have not had um, since 1991. And even though, even at that point, right, both teams, you know, it wasn't like some some big-time matchup then, right? Like the the Lakers were trying to get to the finals um, to see Jert, to see Mike. But, man, uh, here we are, Lakers-Warriors, and it starts tomorrow night. What a blessing. This is so cool. And like you said, Mike, we played them three times after the trade deadline. That's pretty unusual to have three games against the same team after the deadline. And, yeah, there, LeBron was out in a, a couple of those. Steph was out in a couple of those as well. Like you said, D'Lo had missed a couple of games. But Lakers did win all three. And this is a matchup, D, that – 
I've thought for a couple of years that the Lakers specifically, our roster has with LeBron and AD starting there, that athletic size that can also defend the perimeter that I think is one of the more difficult matchups for the Warriors. But as that uh, person who, you know, roots for them 78 times a year uh, and has followed them a lot more closely, I think you have a much better feel on that in particular. So I'd love to start there. The I'm I have visions of a team that's pushing the pace against a team that's only going to get one day off before game 1 that has yeah. better athletes that should really be out in transition, pushing the yeah. pace and and just asserting that like physical superiority. Talk to me about that angle of the series. No, I think that that's the path. And if you're laying out the blueprint for how the Lakers are going to beat the Warriors, that's where it's going to be one. Look at the Warriors-King series and the ways that the Kings pushed the Warriors, right? It was playing with pace. It was with athleticism and the backcourt. And when the Kings won that critical game six, it was playing a small ballish lineup with Lyles at the five mm-hmm. and spreading out the Warriors, but basically like then gashing them, Right. The Lakers are not built like the Sacramento Kings at all. And so I'm not using that as as a comparison point. The the idea, though, is is the point that you made at the very beginning is that the Lakers can be big and physical and have still the traits of a small ball team. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they can they don't have to gash you as like a slashing team might. They can power play you with force. While also being like, okay, well, on the other end, we can navigate what you bring offensively well enough because our bigs are comfortable playing out there and can get from the three-point line back to the paint and back to the three-point line, as well as any set of bigs that you're going to find in the league. A lot of that is centered on Anthony Davis and his ability to play at the level of the ball in screen actions, but also sag off in ways and instinctively like get to spots on the floor by dissecting actions in front of you with sort of this like supernatural like computerish brain when it comes to defense specifically. And Mike, to me, we can talk all about the Lakers offense. And, and I think that in some ways this, their ability to like win consistently will be based off of their ability to score. But I think as is the way with this Lakers team and we saw it against Memphis, like the path forward is their defense. And I think their defense is going to have to carry them home here. And it's, going to be based off of that ability that that Pete was just talking about, which is like getting out, being on the perimeter and being comfortable out there, even as bigger players. So the first thing that I'll say is I just I like the matchup for the Lakers. Uh, I, I like the way that I like the things that they can throw at the Warriors relative to what Sacramento couldn't uh, and just relative to what most teams can. And there are a couple exceptions to this rule. Like, so watching the game yesterday, I just found myself rooting for the Warriors because I, I want to see this matchup with the Lakers and the Warriors. I think it's good for the NBA. I think it's good for all of these different things. But then you're at the same time you're watching Steph Curry, an all-time generational. You can make the argument like he's cracked the top ten. Uh, it's whatever that is, like somewhere between five and fifteen, or somewhere between ten and fifteen. Um, he goes for fifty points, the most ever in a game seven. He takes thirty-eight shots. I think it's the most shots he's ever taken. And in the walk-off after the game, 
don't know if you guys caught this part, but I thought it was very interesting because Steph was kind of revealing. And he said, well, Sacramento tried to go small because they and basically pushed the pace on us. And in the process, it gave Steph all of these different areas to attack just by himself. He was getting into the middle of the paint uh, and finishing. He's getting whatever shots that he wanted, essentially. Um, and like that part to me was just really impressive. But that's not something he's going to be able to do against the Lakers. It's just not because they have perimeter size to put on him. And especially what do they have that the Sacramento Kings do not have? Anthony Davis. And the way that they're it's not quite this simple, but since they also, of course, Clay's on the perimeter and pool, they haven't run a lot of the similar type of actions as Steph. Like they're the game plan to that is pretty simple. Sacramento just didn't really have the personnel um, to execute yep. it. Just play up, play up aggressive on the three point line, run them off inside there. And then guess who's in the middle for at least 38 minutes. And as mm-hmm. the series goes on 42, whatever you want of Anthony Davis waiting. And that's, that's just on that side of the ball. And then like, I do think that, to pull, you know, here, let me kick that to you, Pete. I know there's a lot of other stuff like thinking about the Lakers on offense and we'll do all that. But that's my my initial answer to sort of how this looks is the Lakers have this different element of physicality and size that Sacramento does not have. They don't have that same kind of the super quick guard pace thing, even though they could a little bit with Dennis. But I, I think that's less effective against Golden State. And in fact, I was I think the reason Sacramento was able to push them that hard is that Golden State has looked a little fatigued. And that's yep. before they have to the Lakers get these extra couple of days going into the series. Cause I I just I don't love teams when they have like Sabonis as the rim deterrent. Of and course. I thought that was going to be and Golden State doesn't attack the rim. So it's like all of these things that the Lakers Lakers can do, um, and I think do effectively to me are are, are going to be difficult for Golden State to handle, even acknowledging how amazing Steph Curry is. Yeah, I think that fatigue angle is a big one. It's really difficult to repeat, right? They're coming off of a title defense, and any team that has just won a championship, they automatically, for me, might get a, a demerit going into the next year just there's a little bit of extra weight that they carry on their back you know yeah, it's my in order it's my ron Artest rule pete right? that's right like, you gotta add yeah, yeah. add something or, or and those guys have been doing it for so long that said they ain't lost a series in like 10 years when they got these guys right so so that has to be factored in I think a big part of why they've been so difficult to beat is they play basketball differently than any other team does. And it causes teams like the things that you normally do defensively. You have to do something else. I think this is a great test of our defense, D. Like, I have been thrilled with our defense in the play-in against Minnesota, against the series uh, versus Memphis. But those are two teams that our middle-of-the-pack offensive teams. I think they were a better test for our offense in both instances to kind of get a measure of what our postseason offense looks like. And I think we saw some of the good and the bad in that. But as thrilled as I've seen, as I've been to see our ability to shut off a team's water time and time again, it's just been do, we've been doing it against middle-of-the-pack type of teams. This is a whole different type of animal that plays in a very different type of way. That said, I do think that we've got a lot of personnel that can help turn them over and play into that fatigue factor as well. So I'm curious your thoughts on on that. Do you see that from this Golden State team? As a, do you see them as a tired team, a team that's kind of pressing or searching for legs? So yes and no, basically. Mm-hmm. Are they more tired than the Lakers? Probably. They, they just played an extra game. The Lakers look pretty damn tired. 
at certain points during their series as well. Like this is what the playoffs are. It's like, especially LeBron and AD being pressed, right? It's just like the physicality, the the mental fortitude that you need, the ups and downs of a playoff series and staying locked in. I thought the Warriors tired. I think the Kings specific style of play can make you look tired. Mm-hmm because they are so athletic and they play with such downhill ability. The combination of Monk and Fox and then Murray with his young legs, even Harrison Barnes, Sabonis is going through your chest so often that it's like there's this wearing down of you over the course of the series. And and I think that when Monk is like exploding off of a screen and roll and he's just by his guy, it's just like, is that because you're tired? Or is that because like this dude is just a better athlete than sure. basically everyone that's on the court, right? And and Fox, like him and Fox are like multipliers to, to each other. Like when right. they were in the game together, I thought, yeah, look, the Warriors look tired. These dudes are like running circles around them on certain possessions, right? Just getting into to the lane. I do think they are more worn down. I do think that having to play seven games and then turn it around just two days later to play in game one, that's going to be difficult. I also think, though, that they're going back to a home crowd where they will have some life injected Mm -hmm. into them as well. The Lakers are not always the most, I don't know, forceful team after rest, right? And and, and so there's a lot of factors, I think, that are at play here that I think counteract against each other. I do think if there's a team that can wear you down, I think the Lakers can wear the Warriors down physically. I think the Warriors have the potential to wear the Lakers down mentally. Mm, mm-hmm. And these are like, this is the counterbalance of, of a playoff series. And it's why styles make fights. Like that idea that you mentioned, Pete, of like the Warriors don't play basketball like like anyone else. They consistently test you They test your limits mentally as much as anything else. And for a Lakers team that both you two have basically said, like the Lakers have not been a team that has been as locked in consistently over the course of like game to game to game or even minute to minute to minute. The Warriors are going to test that as much as anything else. And, And it's why I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Let's talk some uh, rotation and matchups. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
So this last series of the many wonderful things that happened in game six against Memphis, the rotation change that we'd been begging for here when in, in uh, both Beasley and Troy out um, is where they ended up, ran an eight-man rotation. Mike, do you expect that to carry over into the next series, or do you think that there will be changes? Part of the Steph walk-off that he gave, uh, or no, this was in the post-game, uh, the sit-down, where he was like, you know, that's part of the beauty of the playoffs, is there's going to be different players, different teams cause different matchups, and the Lakers are a very different team than Sacramento. I expect to see some Kuminga minutes on their end a bit during this series, but from a Lakers perspective, do you think we're going to carry forward with that rotation? I would think that early in the series, especially that Darvin Ham would employ at least one of those other wings in whether it's mm-hmm. Troy or Beasley and in kind of, you know, to, to just basically keep another option in play um, as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. I think that what happens what happens often is that if you if you see a coach go to like an eight man right away and then that group has some success. But by game four, the other guy hasn't played in a while. That can be tricky. And with this said, a completely random thought, like I, Max Christie, my, like I'm not, he's not going to get the minutes right now, but I, I, this is the way that he comes in to game six and hits a couple shots and is defending solidly. Like <laughs> I, there's a part of that that I almost would like um, just even a little bit more than Beasley or Brown. But I do expect that one of those guys at least um, will get a shot. And the personnel is a little different on Golden State in that, you know, you weren't really worried about Memphis on the perimeter aside from Desmond Bain. Right. It, and, and then, of course, once Kennard checked in and he didn't play in right. game six. But in this case, it's Stephen Clay. You're always worried about. And then Poole, even though he is really struggling right now, Poole is not playing well on either end of the floor. He shot 33 percent in round one, including 26 percent from three. So he was just way off of his game. But you still sort of treat him uh, as a as a shooter. And he gets that kind of respect. But I in terms of matchups and rotation and all that, the before. I want to make one point before we even get to that. There's probably no team, nobody in the NBA that knows what the Warriors do better than LeBron. Uh, And now conversely, so Steph certainly knows how LeBron plays in a series, but I don't think Steph or anybody is really that much of an expert on this version of the Lakers, um, which is still not just pretty new, but like, you know, they, they literally (laughs) just, this team, we don't even know what, what, we're not even experts on this version of the Lakers, right? It's sort of like that old uh, baseball pitcher that throws, you know, Charlie Sheen in Major League that throws 100 miles an hour, but we're not sure exactly where it's going. And there's a certain amount of, I don't know, I think there's some degree of advantage in that. There is, but so it's a, like you could study the 1920 Lakers in the bubble and just watching LeBron and AD with sort of role players around them. And and there there are some similarities for sure here, but like Golden State, they have yet to play. We, the, the Lakers played the Warriors three times, as we mentioned. Austin Reeves was not starting yet in any of those games. They're wow. much different and they're much better uh, in the way yeah. in what Austin does with the starting lineup. And so Golden State also, un, this is where to me, Golden State is unlike Memphis in certain ways. They are not as physical other than Draymond. They are mm-hmm. not as physical as a defensive team where wherever you're trying to get to on the court, Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain and JJJ, although JJJ a little bit like Draymond, but the guards are not just letting you get to a spot. And that's now Steph will battle some clay though, is not, you know, moving his feet defensively as well um, at this point as he gets to this stage of his career. Wiggins is a really good defender. He's not quite where he was last year. And having taken the long layoff, he struggled with his shot. Um, He shot 27% from three in round one. And, you know, Looney is, uh, I do think there are some Looney kind of like, 
I may have heard you say this, something about uh, a better version of Tillman or something um, in certain ways. And he was amazing on the glass, especially he's going to, I think he does provide some problems. Great player. Yes. Then you get, you know, then you get like Moses Moody who can, who's okay at times. Peyton doesn't quite look how he looked last year after his long layoff. But the point is, it's just a, it's a different level of, uh, it's a, it's a lesser, I think, level of overall physicality. And maybe that allows the Lakers to, if you just take the blueprint from game six, where you're letting Austin and D'Lo have a lot of the early sort of the attacks and then LeBron and AD picking some spots around that without forgetting about, you know, giving AD the ball a certain amount. There's just, there's just a lot there. I think where the Lakers can attack in certain ways, in different ways that the Warriors may not be fully prepared for. Whereas the Lakers go in with a pretty clear game plan defensively Mm -hmm. of what they're not going to allow, how important it is to stick with Steph specifically. And then to a lesser extent, uh, Thompson uh, and, and then like Wiggins right now, you're, you're not certainly treating him like Dylan Brooks, but you're not you're not bending your defense to make sure that he can't get a shot from the perimeter off, mm-hmm. you know, right now. Draymond, you're encouraging to shoot as much as he wants, somewhat in the way that Dylan Brooks, although he's not going to shoot as much or as well as Dylan Brooks. And then same thing with Looney. He's not a threat as long as you're uh, in terms of scoring and, and other than the putbacks. And that's a whole different conversation. But it's just a there are to me, there are clear strategic ways that LeBron is going to understand how and when to attack this Warriors team that's pretty similar um, to what they've been into how they play. And I don't know that that's the same for Golden State, uh, who is who is going to have to, like, where, how do they line up their game plan? Here's AD, here's LeBron, here's what D'Lo and Austin do, here's where Dennis attacks when he gets in. You know, there's there's a lot there, I think, that they're going to have to figure out. Darius, where are you at on the rotation? Do you think that Troy or Malik make an appearance to start out the series? Yeah, I think everything resets, honestly. Mm. What are we talking about here? Well, I guess the one thing is that a big part of the first round was the non-AD minutes, right? Do you, do you think sure. Wenyon starts to... No, no. You don't think Wenyon plays no. in game one? Oh, I do. Interesting. I do Especially too. with Looney and just the, like the way that Golden... Yeah, they're, they're, I don't think they can go back to... I think they got to think about the glass. I'm not saying Wenyon won't play in game one. I'm saying that I think Troy and Malik are going to get their chances again. Oh, gotcha. And I think the Lakers are going to have groups where they play small. Again, without a center on the court, like Golden State is going to invite that. Just like Sacramento did. Yeah. We just talked about the way that the Warriors are going to entice you to play small. Pete, you mentioned that you expect to see Kaminga this series. I do, too. I expect to see Jermichael Green this series as a stretch five option. For them, I don't think they're going to go deep into the Anthony Lambs of the world and and everything like that. But I think Kerr has won how many championships and been a part of how many championship teams? He knows that it's just like, all right, well, that series is done. This new series is a new series. What is potential? Yeah, it's a lot is what I'm saying. That's my point is like it's it's been a ton. And, And so. Do I think Darwin is going to go back and give Malik and Troy some some chances? Yes, I do. The versions of the Lakers that beat the Warriors three times in the second half of the season, those dudes were critical parts of the rotation Mm -hmm. during those games. Why would he not go back and be like, okay, well, we need to score on this other team, too. I'm going to see if Beasley can hit some shots. I'm going to see if he can defend 
I think playing Beasley is a mistake. I can give you plenty of reasons why not. It's because he holds his follow through for three seconds after he misses a three and doesn't get back on defense. And that has nothing to do with Golden State Warriors. Sorry. I'm not arguing the point. I think you're both about- you're both right. Yeah, you're both right here. You know, I think I do think like they'll give they'll give him a chance. And he, you know, I don't know. I don't know that there's the confidence that he'll play well. I don't know. This is where like everything being the first time for Darwin is super interesting to me. He oh, got yeah. to the point by the end of the series where I felt like he got to the place where he needed to get to in terms of the rotation and the Lakers destroyed the Grizzlies. Now, if you listen to some Memphis people, Luke Kennard's worth 45 points, apparently (laughs) not on his own, but he's worth, you know what I mean? And so I get it. I get it that there's a lot that you can do within the scope of like, oh, well, one single player can can change this. But the Warriors are a perimeter based team. They're going to invite you to play other perimeter players in order to better match up with them. Going into this series, I'm just going to kick it to you with this point, Mike. Going into this series, I think the best version of the Lakers is always going to be about we have physicality and athleticism in our front court. When you look at LeBron, you look at AD, you look at Rui, and and well, and you look at Wenyon. and Vanderbilt that size length motor and a certain amount of of ability to just crush you in the paint with putbacks and rebounds and all of this stuff and they should be playing to those strengths all of the time against every single team every team I don't care if you have a team full of like oh it's Giannis and Brooke Lopez and now they're going with Jay Crowder and Bobby Portis and all four of those guys are in the lineup at the same same time no you still don't play all your guards you meet force with force that's the version of the Lakers that's going to go as far as they possibly can the playoffs but the Warriors the Warriors have a way of saying hey look here's three six foot four guys all on the court at the same time here's Gary Payton playing power forward and they're quick and they're nimble and they have a way of enticing you to be like be quick and nimble with us and let's see how this goes and that plays into some of the stuff that Darwin has wanted to do this season, which is play smaller and play more skill ball than power ball. And I'm, I just want to see what happens early on. But here's the good news for the Lakers in that context. And, and I think that if as somebody that's watched self-proclaimed, watched a lot of Warriors, the way that they've broken a lot of teams is by, yes, forcing you to match up small with them. But when the Lakers are quote unquote small, Anthony Davis is still out there. It's I've been saying this yep. for years and years and years. Like he he is the thing that breaks those types of systems because the rim is not an option while he's on the court. If you're big or small and he can also switch out to the perimeter. And now that other and LeBron, as we saw in game six, he's not going to do it for four games. But LeBron will give you a, a, a certain number of games defensively where he multiplies that because LeBron can also get to the rim protected. He can also switch to the perimeter if he wants. He's smart. He knows how to direct guys. And you just need enough athletes around them. That, and then, okay, athletes plus skill. And so the, in this case, Austin and D'Lo would represent the skill. Dennis is a little bit of a hybrid because he's athletic, but he's got some skill. And then you've got the, you've got Rui and Vando, to me, who are just have been so key in this, in what the Lakers did not have for the previous year and a half. And now you got these bodies to throw out there while LeBron and AD are doing all that they do. And this is all stuff like people that you guys know this, everybody listens to to this pod knows this about what the Lakers are now. I just think it's important to emphasize that against what Golden State does, that works uh, from what I've seen. That's 
you don't you don't beat them by to me. I get it why Sacramento tried to do it. They couldn't do it the other way. They didn't have the force. Other yeah. than sure, Sabonis has a little bit of force. Like they're they're not going to be able to physically hang in that way. Uh, and and I think that I think that what the Lakers have to do here, and this is where I get away from Brown and Beasley ultimately, right, and get more towards like the guys that start plus Dennis and Rui, um, plus a certain dose of Wenyan to just kind of get on the glass and overwhelm them that way. That to me is the way that you that you push and you beat them. It's not by like Beasley and Brown hitting a couple threes and then, yeah. you know, getting lost on. Like, Pete, to kick this part to you, and, and this is not being like, I'm not trying to be critical of certain of the Laker players, but you cannot have guys playing a lot against Steph and Clay and Draymond that don't know exactly where to be defensively. And don't know where to make the rotation, and aren't and are going to get caught in transition, and aren't going to relocate Steph after an offensive rebound. Like this has to be the buttoned-up, big physical group. That's how you're going to get beat. And you don't you don't need to hit a bunch of threes um, in this context against Golden State either, because they don't have the physical force um, and size with this with this rendition of who they are um, to be able to ultimately counter like AD and LeBron and Rui. Uh, on a switch or something, just rolling their ass to the rim over and over and over again. So that's that's my kind of general piece about the series. That sort of discipline about making sure you follow relocations and long rebounds. I'm like already mad about all of the long rebounds we're going to give up on threes. But Rui and Vando are central characters, I think, in the can you uh, maintain perimeter discipline defensively. And if they can, I think we're in really good shape because then we can enforce that type of bigger team. Because I, I love how you framed that, Darius, that idea that they entice you into playing certain ways, certain smaller lineups. What they do is they make you look like them, except your version of looking like them isn't nearly as good as their version. And they're going to kick your ass that way. And that's exactly what the Troys and, and Malik's like. I could see Troy getting some run, especially with how much perimeter defenders are going to have to chase guys around the perimeter. And that's why before we wrap up, I wanted to shift gears to the matchups real quick. I think I want to start on one matchup, which I think is going to be uh, where we start with uh, D'Lo on Clay. I think that he does a pretty good job on him. D'Lo knows their system decently well, having played there for a little bit. And is just, I think this is a good D'Lo series. I think that Memphis was a good challenge for us in their physicality on the perimeter defensively. I think D'Lo can, you know, navigate that a little bit more. And then just chasing guys around the perimeter. I think D'Lo starts out on clay. Take it from there, D. Curious with the starters, who you think guards who? Yeah, so D'Lo on clay. I think AD will be on Draymond. I think LeBron will be on Looney. I think Vando will be on Wiggins. And that leaves Austin on Steph. I've got so many things to say about this series because I think that the there's – like maybe, I don't know, anywhere from eight to 12 things that it's just like put them on the ledger yeah. and slide them in any given direction. And that's the way that the series will tilt. Um, <laughs> like it's 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 just one of those series to me where it really is a rock, paper, scissors series to me. One of the things I liked about D'Lo in the Memphis series is that he stayed locked in defensively as much as he could. Um, he was not he is not going to be a physical point of attack defensive player, but he's going to be in the right position and he's going to challenge effectively. Jaw hunted him in certain games and Jaw got to where he wanted to go and he shot over the top of him. Like Dylan Brooks powered through him for a couple of drives and so did Desmond Bain and that's going to happen to, to D'Lo. But 
is he going to be in the right place to make the right rotation defensively? He is going to be. Is he going to navigate screens the way that he's supposed to? He is going to do that. He is going to shade in the right direction to push a guy to where he's going to go. I think that D'Lo is the natural spot. I think Clay is going to attack D'Lo and he's going to try to run him ragged off of screens, but this isn't 28-year-old Clay. It's it's a different version of him, and he's going to rely on on craft and shot making, and Clay can hit shots. But I think that this is where D'Lo's going to need to survive in this, and I think that he can. So you think that leaves Austin on Steph to start out? Yes. I don't think you can put a different player on Steph than Austin. I don't think... Basically, Wiggins... like. I talked about this in one of the earlier pods that we did on like a war on a Warriors regular season matchup that there's only two people for LeBron to guard. He could either guard Draymond or he can guard Looney. Right. And so that means one of the other and and that and AD is going to take the other one of those guys. Right. And so with the three remaining players, someone has to guard Wiggins and someone has to guard Steph. Mm -hmm. Like and so. Do you put Vando on Steph? I don't, basically. And I want Vando's size on Wiggins, personally. And, and so I think Austin's going to have the hardest job. Yeah. Which is basically like chasing around Steph Curry and showing game plan discipline. Like, that's just how it's going to go. To Austin's credit, he's done well. As well as you can hope for him to do guarding Steph Curry. He uses appropriate distance. He challenges shots well. Austin has good size as as sort of a guard um, and he just knows where to be and he plays hard as hell. And that's those are the qual those are the qualities you want when defending Steph. Just right. just a couple thoughts about defending Steph. First of all, one of the important things I think in, in why Austin can do it in having the IQ basketball wise is that when you're guarding Steph, you're you're knowing what AD is doing and where he is behind you. And there are certain spots of the court that you're just essentially, you know, guiding Steph towards and trying, you know, exactly. trying to shade it. And so it's, it's a, it's a different type of a task than guarding jaw, you know, in certain ways, obviously a much different, completely different players. But I also don't think that you just have one guy do that for a whole game. I think that that's Austin. Some it's Dennis some when he comes in and, and then sure you throw Vando on him, you know, for a couple of possessions here and there, but he's not a one matchup guy. You know, he's kind of a, uh, multiple guys, but it, but Darius, I agree. I agree that you start with Austin um, on that. I just I, I do think it's important to to not give a player like that just one look. I totally agree with that. For what it's worth, though, I don't expect Vando to be one of those looks. If he can, I'll be very impressed. But the one thing that Vando can be a little bit susceptible to is like back cuts and changes of direction and like the, the relocations yeah. just of for, stuff. Just like I a feel change, like he's getting like five percent. Just like it, just throw sure. some size on him here a little bit. You know, even, sure. even LeBron, and your, and your like even LeBron in that no. context. And and really, we talk about this, but like you just set a single screen and then somebody else is switched on to him. Right. Like so it's this overall team discipline type of thing of which where is Anthony Davis and how are we trying to funnel players into him, I think, is a, a big part of that. And so super curious about where AD ends up playing in terms of the level of his drop coverage. I, I think it's I love the idea of AD on Draymond rather than LeBron on him. What's your thought process on that, D? Why, why right. AD on Draymond and not Looney? Draymond is so involved in all of their screen and handoff action, and you want AD to be the guy that is reading that 
and has the ability to play up or down or make the choices on how to defend. Like the thing about AD on Draymond as well is that, and this will happen when AD is on Looney, when Draymond's not in the game, but AD is going to play off of them in a very similar way to what the Warriors did to Sabonis, which is like, you're the hub of the offense. When you come off these handoff actions, like the guard is going to get over the top and then I'm going to not be at the level, right? Because th- the Warriors want you at the level to a certain extent because that then allows the pocket pass or the over the top pass to a rolling player in order to play four on three. And that's where you don't want Draymond is getting downhill and playing in four on three when situations. AD especially is out on the perimeter. When AD is, and then yeah. AD, where AD is nowhere to be found. He's somewhere at the three point line trying to contest a pass from Steph Curry. And then now everything is going behind him. And it's just like, oh, damn it. Right. So I think AD needs to be the guy who is tethered to Draymond Green and basically being like, look, man. And I honestly think AD's minutes should mirror Steph's minutes. Like, Mm. like, look, man, like every time you're in the game, like this dude is lurking for you. He is the guy like the famous meme of AD during the run to the championship where he's like looking around the wall, uh-huh. like towards like the press conference. Here. Yeah. I want AD to be like that defensively this series. And you're always looking for him. Like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? He needs to be on Draymond to me, Pete. Like, is that where you're at? I think you're right. I I, I think that's the case. I think it's going to be a bit of a mix because I expect them to try to defend AD with Looney to start out with, but yes, but like you said earlier, I think AD can, I don't want to say play Looney off the floor. Looney's way too good to be played off of the floor, but I think AD is a really difficult match matchup when the Lakers are on offense for Looney, particularly with the ball in his hands. And I think that yes. you see that in the plus minus in a couple of games that we played against them, that Looney's was especially bad because, and it was when they put Draymond on AD that yes. things were better. That yes. said though, you, ah, there's so much more to get into. We will get into it more. This could be an hour long. This is why this is going to be a two-parter. We will stop there, though, get into more of the Lakers' offense tomorrow uh, and, and some more defensive topics. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. And Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it! Right! Unbelievable. Boy, the victory. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic 
Trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.